Good morning. Uh, my name is Shelly. I'm so excited to be with y'all today. Hey, happy New Year's Eve. Does anybody have any good plans for New Year's Eve? Uh, we are going to ring in the new year at like 9 p.m., and then we're going to go to bed. Like we do a whole countdown. We do the whole thing. It's all fake. Don't tell my kids. And then we're all going to go to bed. Uh, hey, uh, one housekeeping item for us today before we get started. If you didn't know, our kids are in the room with us. Give it up for our kids. Do we have any kids in? The no, wait, hold on. No adults, just the kids. Tell me if you're here. Give me a holler. You're, you're failing. Children, give me a holler. Oh, I got one. Mine is in the room. Well, in case you didn't know, our kids are in the room today. Today is our annual family service, so we have no Kids Point Nursery workers, staff, or volunteers. I promise after today you'll be extra thankful that they serve every Sunday with us. Uh, but I just want to let you know that if today your children are with you, we're excited that they're here. They're not a distraction. I live with a very hyperactive little boy, so I can talk in the midst of all of them. But if at any point you feel the need to step out, there is a room in the back that's equipped with toys and a space for you to sit with your kids or if you're here with an infant, there's a mother's room down the hall here where you can take care of your infant. So that's our housekeeping for today. Uh, if today's your first day with us, or you've been out for a couple weeks like me, I just want to catch you up on what the series is that we've been in. It's called The Angles of Christmas. Not angels, The Angles of Christmas, where we're taking a deeper look at the different perspectives of the key players of the Nativity Manger Christmas story. So we've had, uh, we've had the following covered. So we did Elizabeth and Zechariah. We did the wise men and um, King Herod. We did the shepherds and the angels. And then we did Joseph and Mary. So today, I'm going to wrap it up. So I want to put this into perspective for you. And I've asked one of our students to help me on stage. So y'all give it up for Mondrea. Mondrea is going to join me on stage. Isn't she awesome? I'm so thankful. Okay, so we're going to ask, Mondrea and I did not practice, so she does not know the questions that I'm going to ask her, okay? But we're just going to ask Mondrea a couple of questions. Mondrea, I'm going to let you hold this. It should work for you. How old are you? 12, almost 13. When is your birthday? March 5th. Ooh, my niece's birthday is on March. Do you know Trinity's birthday is March the 5th? You didn't know y'all were birthday twins. Okay, uh, what's your favorite hobby? Gymnastics. Okay, now I have a serious question for you. Don't look at your mom when you answer, okay? Do you ever think about wanting to get married and have kids one day? Uh, a little. A little. Okay, don't look at I'm glad your dad's not here to hear you say that. Um, so when you think about that, like, how far down the road do you think that that is? 25. 25. That's a good age. That's a good age. So, so <laughs> her mom said, good answer, good answer, good answer. So not like next year. No. No, you think that would be a lot to handle? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Y'all give it up for Mondrea. So I just want us to think about that for a minute. Let that perspective sink in. Mondrea, I mean, I know she's almost 13, but I look at Mondrea and I see, no offense, I see a little girl, right? Like, um, I see someone who is not ready to take on the pressure of raising a child, much less the child, God's son. Um, but I want you to think about this. In this era and in this culture, it was not abnormal for children or for, for marriage to happen at a young age. That was about average. 
But I think we can all take that as a perspective that Mary was likely not ready for this task. Like, while it might have been culturally acceptable, she was probably not equipped. Like, she didn't have the same skills that, let's say, somebody like Elizabeth might have had. So, I think a lot of times whenever we hear people teach about the nativity story, we hear people teach about this subject, a lot of people say, like, Hollywood would write it different, or so-and-so, or we would write it different, like, we probably wouldn't have done it in a manger, right, or in a stall. So one of the things that I think is, like I said just a second ago, why, I wonder why God wouldn't have chosen Elizabeth. Like, Elizabeth was chosen to have John the Baptist, and Mary was chosen to have Jesus. And while Elizabeth had never had children before, we can expect that because she was older, she likely had more life experience, she likely had more patience, um, and she was probably better equipped to handle things that were going to be thrown at her. And Mary was favored by God, and I think that's why God chose her, but I just think about Mary, this young girl, having a baby with no support, because let's be real, Joseph probably didn't know what he was doing, and she's having this baby in the stall, and I think about Elizabeth, while having not had children, she likely would have probably at this point in her life helped other women through the birthing process, because that was pretty common during that time. Whereas Mary might have helped other women, but probably not very many considering how young she was. And so I think that whenever we think about Mary's age, we also have to think about her inexperience. One of the things that I think we can learn from her inexperience and something that she did is something that we find in scripture, and I wanna read some verses, and I want us to keep in mind, this is after the angel Gabriel has come and told Mary that she is going to have this baby in her womb. So we find these verses in Luke 1, 39. It says, Now at this time, Mary set out, set out and went in a hurry, that's important, to the hill country, to the city of Judah. And she entered a house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the, be- the baby leapt in her womb. So this is John the Best, Baptist that Elizabeth is pregnant with. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you young among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of the Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So, Whether Mary's running to Elizabeth because she's excited or scared, we don't know, but I would imagine that it's probably a little bit of both. And I think it's interesting that the second that Mary gets this information, she doesn't go slowly, she doesn't take day's journey, she goes as fast as she can to somebody that's an elder that she knows that she can lean on, that she respects, and that she knows can guide her, and that she knows can celebrate with her. I think Mary knows that she's inexperienced, and she runs to Elizabeth because she knows that she can guide her. I think it's in that moment where we can, I don't think, you can realize through reading the scripture, it's in that moment that Mary and Elizabeth receive more confirmation from the Lord that this is special and that they're both going to raise world changers. And we can learn from Mary in this way. I personally wonder if God chose Mary because of her inexperience. Because he knew that she would trust and follow him. 
And maybe he wanted somebody who would not have a preconceived idea of what motherhood would look like because the reality was this was going to be the most abnormal motherhood experience ever. And maybe Mary was chosen because of that, because of her inexperience. And I think we can all remember that whenever we're faced with something where we're like, God, I don't have the skills, I'm too young, I don't know what I'm doing, that that's the point. Because when we don't know what we're doing, that's when God shows up and he shows out, and that's whenever he truly gets the glory. So the next time that you're thinking, I don't have the skills for this, just remember Mary, and Mary didn't have the skills either, and it all worked out. So the first thing that we know is that Mary was young. The second thing that I think we need to know is that Mary was chosen. Has anybody ever heard the Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know? Anybody? Yeah, right, okay. So this is a song that examines the idea, did Mary know who Jesus would be whenever he was birthed, whenever he was birthed and placed in her arms? So here's a few questions that this song asks, and I didn't write them necessarily in rhyme, but... Did she know that he would walk on water? Did she know that he would save the world, our sons and daughters? That's what the song says. Did she know he would heal the blind? Did she know he would calm storms? Did she know he was Lord of all creation? Did she know he would rule the nations? And did she know that he was heaven's perfect lamb? Well, the truth is that for most of these, it's likely that Mary did know. So one thing that we know about Mary is that God chose her specifically for this task. God looked down on all of the earth and knowing all of the past, present, and future, and he chose this girl to carry out this mission. And I'm confident, and I'm confident that this wasn't a moment where God looked down and he was like, she'll do, I'll pick her. He probably was very strategic in this. Um, I went to a college where, I went to a private Christian university, and we had um, in our dorms, we had uh, like prayer groups that we would be a part of, and then we had people who led the prayer leaders. It was this whole thing. Well, one of the leaders on my dorm one time taught a lesson, and I'll never forget it, it was these two girls, and they said, they, said I wa they wanted us to remember that when we walked around campus, that God was looking down saying, that's my girl, I choose her. And it kind of makes you beam with a little bit of pride when you think, think about it that way. And I think that's what God felt about Mary, is that God looked down on all of creation, and he was like, I want her. Well, I think that God wanted Mary because Mary knew him. And the reason that I think Mary knew about all of these things that Jesus was going to accomplish is because she had likely studied the prophecies. So, let me explain to you if you don't know what this is. The prophecies are like predictions or promises that were in the Old Testament. Some scholars believe that there were 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. I want to roll through some of these with you, so stick with me. The verses should be on the screen, but we're going to look at four or five of, five of them, and they're all from the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 7:14 says, Behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. So that's proof that Mary was going to be a virgin and have Jesus. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, we read, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah 11:10 says, "In that date, or in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious." 
Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And then Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds, we are healed. So if we can assume that Mary studied these prophecies, then we can answer the question, Mary, did you know, with a resounding yes. Because we assume that she studied the prophecies, right? Now, it's possible that she didn't know he would walk on water. She didn't know that he was going to feed 5,000 people. But she knew that he was going to perform miracles. Um, And I think that that's why she was so confident. If you've ever studied Scripture, and we're going to look at the story in a second, Jesus' first miracle that's told in Scripture is him turning water into wine at a wedding. And it's because Mary went to him and basically asked for this to be done. And I think that she was confident to know that he could do it because she knew that the prophecy said that he was going to be able to do these miraculous things. So let's look at this story. It's in John 2, 1 through 11. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, Mary, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, What business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. I'm going to pause for just a second and say, we know that Jesus was perfect and that he never sinned, but if my kids called me woman like that, (laughs) I mean, I feel like like he's teetering on disrespect here, but we're going to go with it. His mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Now, there was six stone water pots standing there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing two or three measures each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. Now, when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the groom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of his signs, this was the beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So we wouldn't have experienced this first miracle the way that we did, and I, I love that it's like, because I believe that that's the way we should all do it as like Christians or believers, we should do things better We should always do our best. So I love that it's like they're very clear. Jesus gave them like the good stuff, not the junky stuff, um, and that that was pointed out. But I find it interesting that this wouldn't have happened had Mary not challenged him. And I believe that the reason why Mary challenged him is because she knew that he was capable, because she knew God, which made her be chosen by God. So we know that Mary's young. We know that Mary was chosen. The third point that I want to look at is that Mary was faithful. I think sometimes we think that because we love God, everything's always going to be good. But I don't know about you, in my life, I have learned that bad things happen to God's people too. So let me say that. Bad things happen to God's people too. Those bad things can break us, or they can make us stronger, but it's up to us. We decide what we do with those failures, conflicts, and obstacles. We can all agree that we've had our fair share of obstacles and that we've gone through hard things. 
And if you haven't, I'd love to encourage you that it's coming at some point in your life. <laughs> um, I know for me, I wish that I had the ability to know what was going to happen in my life. Like, like I said, I'm the mother of a 15-year-old, and I would have loved it if on the day that she was born and placed in my arm, I heard God's voice or an angel say to me, she is, go, you're, she is gonna go to college and she's gonna love Jesus and she's gonna be a vet and she's gonna change the world. And one day, many, many, many years from now, she's gonna get married and she's gonna have children and there you're gonna be your grandchildren and this is my reward for not killing her when she was a teenager. That would be awesome, right? But that's not what we get. Can you imagine if during your pregnancy, I mean, think about how heartbreaking this would be. If during your pregnancy, think about your moms who've had babies. Somebody came to you and said, this child that you're going to have, you're going to raise, and then they're gonna, there's going to be a car accident, and you're going to lose that child at a young age, and you're never going to know why. I bet if you knew that going in, you would probably parent a whole lot differently. It would change what you would do. But we don't enter into these joyous events in our lives expecting that terrible things are going to happen, right? Like, like, I don't think anybody walks down the aisle to get married knowing that it could not end up well. We all have expectations that it's going to go well. But that's not what always happens. I love to tell you a story. So some of you know me, some of you don't. Um, but even those that do know me may not know that I'm actually the youngest child of three that's right. Perfection was hit when they had me, and they didn't need to have any more. Uh, but I have an older sister, and then I had an older brother whom we lost about 21 years ago. And I'd be willing to bet that on the day that my brother Shannon was born and placed in my mother's arms, she never imagined that she would end up burying him whenever his life had just barely begun. I watched my parents walk through this journey and one of the things that I've heard my parents say as they went through counseling is that it's unnatural to bury your child. And I think that's profound. I think that it's accurate. That's not the natural order of life, right? Like, as parents, we all imagine we're, we're not going to outlive our children. That's not what we're supposed to do. But as we take it back to Mary, I love to point out that if Mary studied the prophecies, which we know that she did, Mary did know. On the day that she was told by Gabriel that she was going to have him, have Jesus in her womb, she knew that she was going to lose him and that he was going to be the perfect sacrifice for the world. For the, world. the truth is, is that it's really easy to serve God when it's easy, right? When life is good. But it's not so easy whenever it's not. It's really easy to stand on a stage and sing, How Great is Our God?, and tell God that we want to serve him all of our lives. But then when obstacles hit, is it easy to walk down that road? I find it interesting that Mary did not run away. She knew the hard thing was coming, and she stuck, by, she stuck through it. So Mary was in, what we know of Mary in Scripture is that Mary was at the manger, Mary was at the cross, and Mary was at the tomb. She did not leave. And furthermore, whenever she knew she was going to have this difficult task, she thanked God for choosing her. I don't know about y'all, but a few years ago, my life took a pretty dramatic and drastic turn, and I looked down the road, and all I saw was obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, and in that moment, I didn't go, thanks for choosing me, God. I can't wait to walk this hard road. Not me. I said, why me? And I think if God came to me and said, you're going to have the same task that Mary had, I might have said, 
can I just get the next baby on the list? Like, could you just, can we just give that task to another person? But that's not what Mary did. And the reality is for us is that the answers aren't always in front of us, but it was for Mary. And Mary knew the end result, and she knew what the journey would look like, and she walked the road anyway. I don't know about you, but I personally want to try and be a little bit more like that, a little bit more faithful and more trusting, knowing that the promises that Mary had are the same promises that I have. And I want to just give you a few of those promises. They're not going to be on the screen, but if you're a note taker, you can jot these down. These are just a few of the promises that I found in scripture that I know I like to remember when I'm going through a hard time. That God gives me a hope and a future, which is found in Jeremiah 29 11. That God will meet all of my needs from Philippians 4.19. That I can lay my cares on him and he will sustain me. Psalm 55.22. That God hears me. That's in 1 John 5.14 and 15. And most of all, my favorite, is that I will be victorious in Romans 8.37. I did a simple Google search and I found that the Bible, it's suspected, it's, it's said that the Bible has 8,810 promises in Scripture. That's almost 9,000 promises. Let that sink in for just a second. I'd be willing to bet that no matter what you've got going on, that there's a promise in Scripture that can carry you through it. So I want to just remember that we know Mary was young, that Mary was chosen, and that Mary was faithful. So as we get ready to wrap up today, I want to talk about how we can apply this to our day-to-day -day lives. So the first thing is that you're never too young to be used by God. For that matter, you're never too old either. Um, just one more time. Can we just—our kids are in the room. I think it's perfect that our kids are in the room. Can we give it up for our kids? They've been fantastic. I think that our kids, and if they're paying attention at all, I hope that they know that they're precious and that God can use them at the age that they are at. If God could use Mary at the age of 13, he could use these children in the room to go out and make a difference in the world. Um, some of you, you probably don't know, but once a month, I volunteer over here in our children's wing, and I work our check-in um, because I love kids, but I don't like— I don't like teaching them. That's just not my jam, but I love to greet them. So I'm in the, the check-in area. One of my fam favorite things to do when I'm in the check-in area is to walk down the hall. As a matter of fact, I told someone just this week, I, I actually used to be our children's director. I know, I, did, I don't like kids, but I was the children's director. I was meeting the need. Um, but, and I said, I'm real good in the hall. I like to be in the hall. I'm not so good in the classroom. But one of my favorite things when I walk down this hall is to go to the toddler room. And if you've never peered in the window of the toddler room. You're really missing out. But let me tell you about something phenomenal that happens in the toddler room. So in the toddler room, almost every single week, we have a precious woman in our church named Mrs. Betty. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, give it up for Mrs. Betty. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old Miss Betty is because we don't talk about a woman's age, but I will tell you that she's got just a couple of years on me. So Miss Betty works in our toddler room. Now, what you also may not know is that the majority of the students in our student ministry in our church, they serve in our church. So on Sunday mornings, they're manning the camera or they're working in the children's wing or they're doing greeting, but they're usually serving in the church. So it's very common that in that toddler room, you have Miss Betty at the age that she's at, which is a little older than me. Um, and then you have a student working in student ministry, and it's usually one of our younger students. So, and they're together 
teaching two to three-year-olds Bible stories about Jesus. And they're together giving these two and three-year-olds a safe environment so that y'all can come into the service and they can feel loved and adored like they should. So I find it interesting that Mrs. Betty is pouring into this student, and this student is helping her pour into these toddlers, which is the way that it's supposed to go. But this is only possible because, one, Mrs. Betty is not saying, I'm too old to get on the floor and be used by God. And two, we have a student that's in the room not saying, I'm too young to be used by God. We're bridging that gap, and they're working together. So let that be a reminder to us that just like Mary was young, she was not too young to be used by God. And we're not too young or too old to be used by God either. The second practical point is that you were created by God to do big things for him. It may not feel like it in the day-to-day life when you're changing diapers or potty training or you're going to the office, but you have been specifically set apart for a mission from God. I remember it was about a year or two ago, I was sitting, I was having a bad day and I was sitting in my kitchen and my son, who is the best schmoozer that ever schmoozed, He looked at me and he started telling, and I wish I had the video because actually he doesn't know. I recorded my face as he's telling me the story. And he said, hey, mom, did you know that when I was in heaven, I was with God and I looked down on the earth and I said, that's the one that I want. I want her to be my mom. And God sent me to you so that you could be my mom. Yes, he gets all the inheritance because he is the most precious soul and he is just a lover. But I think that's actually true. While Jackson probably wasn't the one to choose me, God did specifically choose me to be Jackson and Emma's mom. God knew the road that they were going to take, and he knew that I was going to be the one to help them navigate it. He didn't choose someone else. He did Because somebody else would do it different than the way that I do it. And the way that I do it, other people might not agree with. But at the end of the day, God gave them to me, and it is my my mission, and I was chosen specifically for this job. There's days that I want to quit because it's hard, but it's really a lot easier when I remember that this is a task that God has given me, and the same is the true for each of us. God has specifically given you a task, whether you're a student and you're going to class every day, and your task is to get good grades in that class so that you can go on and accomplish your goals, or whether your job is to lead in the workplace, or your job is to scan groceries at the grocery store and be a smile for somebody. Just smile and bring joy to somebody. We don't know why. We're not like, we're not like Mary. We don't have the prophecies that tell us this is going to happen in 30 years, but we know that we have a purpose. So we're never too young or old to be used by God. We know that we've been chosen. And then I think the most important point is to always remember that God's promises are for us too. So we went over them just a few minutes ago, but the reality is, is that a lot of those promises, while I cling to them, sometimes I forget the scripture reference. You can find them by doing a simple search in your Bible app, or you can just Google it. I love a good Google search. Um, But you can find pretty much anything that you want that's in the Bible. You can find it by doing a search online. And if those two things fail you, or you're leery and you're not sure that you trust what Google says, because everything Google says isn't great, then I would encourage you to text our church number. So 903-592-8357. And you can ask us anything. What does the Bible say about this? Or is there a promise for this? We may not know the answer, 
but we will help you find it. Or it may be like Pastor Alex said last week, sometimes bad things happen and we don't know why. We don't know why bad things happen to, go, to God's people, but we will walk with you through it and we will help you find the scriptures and the promises that will comfort you in the hard times and we'll weep with you and we will walk with you. We're not going to abandon you. So I just want us all to remember those, those three important things is that we're not too young or old to be used by God, that we're chosen by him for the tasks that we're in and that God's promises are for us too. I've loved this series. I'm glad, uh, not gonna lie, Alex was nervous. He was like, can we continue a Christmas series after Christmas? And I said, I feel confident that we can. So I'm, I've enjoyed being a part of it. I've learned a lot. I love, I have this beautiful nativity scene at home and I put it up every year at Christmas and I've never thought about each of those characters individually. I just think about what they look like in the beautiful archway of my nativity scene. And now I think I'll look at it and I can pull those pieces out and see them from different perspectives. I hope that y'all have learned something from it too. I hope that you'll take this and that you'll learn something um, and that it'll be applicable for your life. So let me pray for us as we wrap up today with worship. Generally, Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, I thank you for um, our children that are in the room. God, I thank you for each one of their precious lives. God, I pray that they would each one know that they are specifically chosen by you to do great things for you. And God, that they would always know that they can come to you. God, I pray this place would always be a safe place for not just the children, but for all of us. And that we would just learn more about you and that we would go into our week and be world changers. And God, as we enter into a new year, God, I pray that it would be a fresh new start, God. Um, as we maybe celebrate the things that have happened this past year or grieve some of the hardships. God, I pray that we would remember that each one of those things makes us specifically who you created us to be. And God, I pray that you would be with us, you would keep us safe as we go out into the world. It's in your name we pray, amen.